Hey, today's episode is made possible by Perfect Keto Electrolytes. A huge question about electrolytes is why can't I just take salt on my ketogenic diet? Why do I need to supplement with electrolytes? That's crazy. Salt can mean a lot of things. Table salt is typically 97% sodium chloride and has a different composition than, say, pink Himalayan salt. Table salt can suffice for sodium, but if we are interested in getting enough sodium, potassium, calcium, and magnesium, which are all the electrolytes, it might be wise to supplement with known quantities. So although your salt can have some electrolytes in it, it may not be the balance that your body needs to start feeling really great on your ketogenic diet. If you want to try out electrolytes, I highly recommend Perfect Ketos. You can head on over to perfectketo.com slash KDP10. Use the coupon code KDP10 for $10 off their electrolytes. This offer is good from October 1st to 31st, 2018. And if you're listening to this ad far beyond those dates, you can still use the coupon code HEALTHFUL, all in caps, for 15% off. Hey, happy Sunday. You're listening to episode number 106 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today, we're chatting about the fear of standing up for yourself, obsession with health, fixing a marriage when you've gone on a different path with your health, coping mechanisms and how to adjust them as you eat keto, and so much more. Today's podcast extra and transcript can be found at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E106. I got one cool thing for you guys today, and that is that I put together a cool little guide. It's free on five steps to overcome your carb cravings. So we're going to be chatting all about like coping mechanisms and how we can fly off the handle when it comes to the foods that we're eating and how we decide to treat our bodies. So I thought a perfect complement to today's conversation would be my five steps to overcoming carb cravings guide. You can grab it at healthfulpursuit.com slash sugar. It's going to show you why your gut health is important, how salt intake affects your sugar cravings, getting in tune with your body and a bunch more other things. Okay, let's do this thing. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women, so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, heal your body, quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. And now, here's your host. You might know her as the Keto Queen. She's the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of Happy Keto Body, and she loves dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo, Leanne Vogel. Today's guest is Christina Kerb, the creative mind behind The Castaway Kitchen, a blog dedicated to delicious foods and healing diets. In the last few years, through self-experimentation and dedication, Christina has healed her body from leaky gut and lost over 60 pounds, putting her autoimmune disease in remission. Christina holds a BA in anthropology from Florida International University and has over six years of commercial kitchen experience. Using her restaurant chef skills and love for food, she now creates recipes to help others find health and happiness through keto, paleo, and AIP lifestyles. Her mission is to spread the word that food is thy medicine and should taste darn good. As a military spouse and mom on the move, staying healthy is a must. From Hawaii to Washington, D.C., you can find her in the kitchen or on a hike. 
So if you like this episode with Christina, you'll want to check out the first episode that we did on the Keto Diet Podcast together. That was episode 86, where we chatted about the eight ways to cut keto grocery costs. You can download it on your favorite podcast app. Again, that's episode 86. Or you can head on over to healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E86. Today's episode is all focused on promoting healing throughout the body for various health obstacles. So if you have a copy of my program, Fat Fueled, that's exactly what it is about. It's focused solely on healing and teaches you how to customize keto to fit your unique body. So if you have a copy, open her up and let's get started. Okay, let's jump over to this interview. Hey, Christina, how's it going? Hi, Leanne. It's good. And you? I'm so good. I'm happy this time that you're on the podcast. We can see each other. I know. It's so much better. <laughs> it's so much better. So before we get started with today's topic, I like to ask all of our guests, what does keto mean to you? For me, keto means food freedom. I was someone who was kind of already on the whole food um, ancestral health path for a long time, but I was still constantly riding that refuel roller coaster, um, constantly thinking about food, like finishing my last bite of breakfast, already planning lunch in my head. And keto for me has meant food freedom. I wasn't really sure what it would like, how it would affect me. The most powerful thing keto has given me is like, I no longer feel chained to my kitchen or, you know, I love to cook, but I don't feel like I need to think about food all the time. It's great. Like even for traveling, it makes it like, oh, I don't stress about what I'm going to eat or not on this flight because it's not a big deal. So yeah, freedom. Keto flight. means freedom. Oh, flights were horrible being glucose field. You'd have all those snacks and you'd be worried they were going to take them away because you couldn't find more. <laughs> oh, I don't miss yeah. that. <laughs> no. And also just feeling better. Like when I, I was just flying in, I saw people like my, like, I don't swell when I fly anymore. I don't get lethargic or like constipated. That was a huge thing when I would travel, I wouldn't poop. And so you're eating all these like snacks and then they're not coming out and you just don't feel good. <laughs> Amen to that. Okay, so I really wanted to have you on the show today. And we were chatting about this before um, we press record of you have such a great story of how you really said enough's enough. I'm going to advocate for my own health. I'm going to become that person for myself. And you put your body as a priority. And I see time and time again, almost like women are scared to stand up for their bodies and to have that confrontation, whether it be with doctors, family, whatever. So can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you became an advocate of your, your health? Yeah, I was, I mean, I, I, and I mentioned before, I made all the excuses. I was like the best at lying to myself about everything, like how much I was eating, what I was eating, my food choices, something I, I remember just repeating so much in my life was, but I eat healthy enough. Like, oh, I'm sick all the time and I can't lose weight and I don't have energy, but I eat healthy enough. Obviously I wasn't. And it's terrifying because I would go to doctors and they'd tell me, you know, your skin condition, I have hydrogenitis superativa, like that's food related. You have to lose weight and take antibiotics. And then I would go to Weight Watchers and um, I did South Beach diet, like those weird, crazy diet clinics where like they give you like grapefruit and like dry toast for breakfast and like measure you and pinch you every time you go in. It was just this whole life of like chasing for something. But what I realized now is that I wasn't taking responsibility for my actions. Like my whole life, it was kind of like, this is, I thought everything was happening to me. And I was just I wasn't owning up to my own actions. I wasn't, and I kept like asking permission. Like, I feel like women in general, we tend to like need permission to take control of our lives. But I hit that rock bottom where I was about to turn 30 and I felt like I would not make it to 40. I'm like, 
I can't start this next decade of my life this sick. Like I'm still in my youth, right? Third, it's supposed to be feeling great. And I am here, a young mom, fatigued, depressed. I can barely move. So I, I turned to food and I was like, I'm going to do this for myself. And it took a lot of lifestyle factors too, but um, not just the food, but food is such a powerful tool because using it in the right way, cooking for yourself, shopping, doing the research, that's a big investment of time in yourself. And that's a form of self-care. Mm. And I think that was just like this catalyst that started this whole like cathartic, long journey of troubleshooting. And when I started to feel better, I became obsessed with like the potential that was there. I was like, what? I can feel this good. Like I have energy. I have balance. I have strength. I'm focused. Like I was living my life at like 30%. (laughs) Like now I'm full force. So I think you become a little addicted to that feeling healthy, right? And you realize that you left so much of your life like under a a veil. Yeah. And did you ever get to the other side, like I did, of like becoming so obsessed with feeling being healthy that it kind of took over your life? Like, did you did you go from like one side of the pendulum all the way to the other side and kind of find a middle ground? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I even like with my blog, I go back to like the earlier days and I definitely had my like hardcore paleo and like really intense, like militant, you know, thoughts back then. And I think that's almost everyone does that because when you find something that makes you feel good, like real food, oh my gosh, I'm going to become a psycho about it and maybe be a little judgy. And then you kind of learn that like, okay, that's not how the world works. And that's not how your body works. Like maybe you need that to survive at the beginning, but eventually you realize that there has to, you have to make it a lifestyle. So you do it long enough and you realize that there has to be some grace there to make it work for the long haul. Grace. I love that word lately. I just can't get enough of grace. Oh, it's perfect. And so how has that space for you and advocating your own health transitioned to your family? Yeah. So it's been really it's been insane, the impact in my family. So something I don't talk, I talked about a little bit, not too much, but my husband was pretty much an alcoholic. Like we both were when we met. I mean, we met at a bar and we drank all the time. And I mean, I had a baby, so that's a really, really good way to sober up. <laughs> and I stayed with motherhood, but I always thought like I'd go back to like partying on the weekends and have a babysitter, like no big deal. But I found my health path and decided that I didn't want that anymore. But my husband back in Hawaii was still partying a lot on the weekends military bases are like party central like people are hanging out in the garage kicking back beers like all night yeah I'd never lived on a military base before so it was like new for me and we hit that wall with our marriage where I it was like that the road was dividing right I was going one way he was like going another way and we had a really long conversation where I'm like I know I didn't ask permission but this is the train is going this way I'm this is a path I'm taking I'm committed to my health because I know now that it's not just the best for me but for our son I'd like you to come with us, but this train is going, is leaving the station because this is a better choice for us. And he's going to be sober now almost two years in December. Wow. So, yeah. And he went from like drinking Diet Coke to drinking LaCroix and he's like an avid cyclist now. And it's insane how even just doing that, it rippled throughout his whole life where he's getting all these awards at work and just like, just be living his life at his full potential. So me changing my life has been huge for our family. So many people would be terrified to have that conversation with their partner. I know (laughs) because it's scared that they're not going to change for you. And I remember being scared too, because like we got to that point where 
you know, when you live with someone who's an alcoholic, like, yeah, he's functional, wake up, go to work, all those things, do his chores around the house, great father, really nice, like supportive husband. But if he's pretty much getting like, after my son would go to sleep, that's when he would start drinking. So Jack never saw it. But I was dealing with a 10, like a 10 p.m. every night. I had this like drunk guy in my house who was kind of a pain in the butt and like not pleasant to be around. And, you know, one night just got out of hand and he got blackout and like nasty. And I was like, uh-uh, like this isn't okay. I deserve better than this and you're better than this and I'm not doing this. So it is scary to give kind of the ultimatum. But if, they're, if they care for you and they know that it's the best thing for both of you, I think it's okay to expect that of our partners. And that's another thing women, I think, need to, like, it's, you, you deserve to expect that much of your partner. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to put up with someone who's not supportive or verbally abusive or just puts you, brings you down. Like, no, like, you deserve a partner who's really going to, like, grow with you. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. And something you just said is you are better than this. Like, seeing that amazingness in your partner and being like yo hello like you're better than this like what is happening right now (laughs) right like I know you are better than this like because that's one thing with Justin like he has insane like impeccable moral compass and always has like he's a do-gooder so that little person that he would turn into at night I'm like this isn't you like Mm -hmm. this and I get it everyone has their demons and their coping mechanisms but now he has healthy coping mechanisms and I'm so proud of him I'm so proud of him and our marriage is like in just a thousand times better and the family dynamic is just incredible so I'm so happy I did that it was scary but I'm so happy I urged him and yeah. it really paid off and then he listened and was like okay I get this like you spoke to him that's really great. And you mentioned coping mechanisms. So previously, would you say that your coping mechanism was drinking or would you say that it was something else or transformed into something else? After you had I had your- two coping mechanisms pre like lifestyle overhaul, which were drinking and, and eating. So eating, binge eating, comfort food eating, and then definitely drinking like after a long day of work, come home. And I used to smoke cigarettes too. Oh, me too. People, oh, oh, if I can change, anyone can. Because <laughs> I did all the things. Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I, yeah, I used to drink and eat a lot. And what changed was, I guess, my self-worth. Like, I used to not think I was good enough. And it's weird because the binge drinking and the binge eating and the smoking cigarettes all fed back into me feeling like crap. Like I'd be like, I'm such a, I'm such a, you know, garbage human. Look at all these bad habits I have. And so it all was this vicious cycle. So when I broke that and I started living my life with integrity because I wasn't lying to myself and other people around me, right. I wasn't calling into work, lying about running late, but really I was just hung over. So all those little things, like you start living your life in a way that you're really proud of and that it like cleanses. It's, 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 it's enlightening. Like you feel lighter, your soul is like just, you can exhale. And that in in itself is like a coping that makes you feel better. But um, yeah, now I have healthier things. Like I work out or I go for a long walk or I take an Epsom salt bath, listen to music. Like driving with like loud music is like, I love, it's like a big distressor for me. Oh yeah, me too. And like screaming at the top of my lungs. That's my thing. like a pillow or like in a field. Yes. just like get it out like sometimes do you ever feel like you just have so much emotion bottled up you just need to like 
get it out and it feels so good to just like cry or scream or, oh, I scream, I stomp my feet. It's just good to just get it out. Yeah. Or like, um, like ums, like even yeah. like, because I'm not a super meditation person, but sometimes I kind of feel that like you just have to make a noise, like open your mouth and just let it come out. It's Yeah. I hope you're totally digging this episode. I love putting these together every week and I hope you're getting something out of it. I love seeing where you're listening from. So next time you're listening or even right now, take a picture of yourself watching the show or a screenshot of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram at healthful pursuit. And if social isn't your thing, that's totally fine. Just jump on your favorite podcast player and leave a review for the show. Okay, back to the good stuff. And I was going to ask you, what are your coping mechanisms now? And you kind of said, like, we're talking about listening to music in your car and bubble or um, Epsom salt baths, anything else where I guess what I, where I'm trying to get at this is like a lot of women listening work all day, nine to nine job, <laughs> and they're running the kids everywhere and they get home and they go for the, the wine and they're pouring like three glasses of wine getting to bed at 11 o'clock. Maybe they haven't even eaten dinner because they're just so tired. What are ways that we can and what you do to just like ground yourself and cope with the emotions of the day? Right. So I feel, and this is like the hardest thing for people, I think, to change. You're going to have to make a change in that priority, like that nine to nine. What in there can you do to get in an hour of you time? Because nothing's going to change if nothing changes. You can't be like, what can I add to my day to make it better? You have to maybe cut something away. And my mom's a business owner and she's, you know, so practicing some meditation and she's been going to the gym and I'm really, but even today we were just talking and she's like, oh, I canceled my session so I can spend time with you guys tomorrow. I'm like, no mom, that has to be priority number one. Like when you come to visit me, I'm going to be like, all right, mom, we're going to hang out, but give me an hour. I'm going to go work out and I'll be back. Like you have to, stop making it like you have to put that self-care like in your calendar it is just as important as making the bank deposit or taking the dry cleaning or whatever meeting you have like self-care that one hour whether it's the gym or meditation or yoga or a walk or even just lock yourself in your room and netflix and like in your bed with your laptop whatever it has to be in there like in stone. And I think that that's the hardest thing for women to do to carve out that time. Like I've been extremely busy right now with the book launch and everything and the move. And my husband, thank goodness, has been home quite a bit and helping a lot. And I told him like, I need your help, not just so I can work, but I need your help so I can take care of myself too. So thank you for watching Jack for four hours while I was on podcasts and writing stuff and articles and emails. But now I need you to watch him in an extra hours. So I can go take a bath and lay down because I'm so tired. <laughs> And it's okay. That's, 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 there's value in that. Like it's not less than the other work you were doing. Completely. I totally agree with you. And it's so hard. You know, you always make up excuses. A strategy that I've picked up recently, um, actually a couple months ago now that the, the show's going live in October, but um, uh, counting down from five. Have you tried this? Um, Mel Robbins wrote a book called the five second rule. And at any time you have this like thought of like, I should go to the gym or I want to go to the gym. You go five, four, three, two, one, and you just do it. There's no hesitation. You count down and you just do it. And by counting down, it stimulates a certain part of the brain. That's not just the logic center, but incorporates the entire brain, which allows you to 
not think logically about it only because you know you're like I should go to the gym and then you're like ooh but I have laundry and you make up all those excuses and those that's the logic brain and I've been doing this for a while now and it is unbelievable how much stuff I used to not do because I'd make up those excuses but just 54321 do it like it's so that. simple <laughs> but amazing right there's such easy things that we can you know, like affirmations are people are always like, how do you practice self-love? I'm like, I legit just started writing myself nice notes. Like, I love myself. I'm worthy. I'm pretty. I'm happy. I'm healthy. Whatever. It can be simple, but you write it enough, you repeat it enough and you start believing it. Like that simple. It just works. Even if the first time you do it, it's like super awkward. Just keep doing it. And eventually you're gonna be like, oh yeah, I am those things. <laughs> totally. So how has this energy translated to how you seek out healthcare? Like, doctors, I mean, even dentists and just like everyone who supports you in your body. How has that changed over this transition? I don't go to doctors really. I haven't <laughs> had the best experience. Sorry. Yeah, I am. I'm very traumatized by Western medicine. I've had doctors be very dismissive of me, almost to the point of like negligence. Um, granted, military healthcare, good times. Yeah, I mean, I had before I started this whole healing journey, I had labs done with my primary care physician and there was insane red flags there. I mean, anti-nuclear antibodies, positives, all the inflammatory markers, um, like weird things with my kidneys or whatever. And like, there was no follow-up. And I called and I was like, hey, so what are we going to do about this? And he was like, well, I sent in a referral to the rheumatologist, but he, they denied it. So I don't know, I guess nothing. And I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. And they just didn't do anything. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll just do my thing. And back then I was doing the autoimmune protocol. So I chucked along, did my autoimmune protocol, did all like my own troubleshooting stuff with the sibit with the small intestine bacterial overgrowth, all that. And then it was like right around the time I was dabbling in lower carb, right? When I was going keto transitioning, because I had the Dutch test done and had a family friend who's a Chinese medicine doctor kind of decipher the results for me. And then I was like, okay, I, I have really like bad in hormone imbalance. I, I really want to work with someone. So I, I sought out an integrative medicine doctor and he seemed so much more like perceptive to me, but, and I was really excited and we did all the labs and we had these, this great initial visit and the follow-up was like, oh, I see your labs. They're pretty good. Like you seem like a normal, healthy person. So I really don't have anything for you. But here, buy my like $80 gut repair kit. And I was like, nah, like I can get that on Amazon for $30. So chill. And, <laughs> and two, I was like, I, I'm here because I need you to investigate. Like I know my labs say I'm okay. I have a really like insane protocol that I'm doing for my health, but I'm telling you that I still need help. Luckily, what we did find out, the one thing I got from him was that that was six months into my keto journey and my hormones had regulated quite a bit. So I did was able to improve my estrogen um, dominance through some supplementation and keto, which I, I did this up, by the way, I did my own supplementation like protocol <laughs> with like dim and milk thistle and like liver support and stuff. But um, yeah, I've been so let down. And that's the hard thing about even integrative medicine doctors. Like a lot of them are kind of quacks and you can't really, it's so hard to find like a really good one. And then you, you spend a fortune troubleshooting and not everyone can do that. Like I get it. These functional medicine doctors, some are great, some aren't, but not everyone has $3,000 to drop to find out because of course most insurance won't cover these doctors. So I'm a big advocate for 
figuring it out yourself and get help where you can, like maybe even seeing a nutritionist or a holistic nutritionist is a more affordable option. There's so much that you can do like to prevent and to reverse disease. Chronic illness is 90% of the time dietary related and no doctor is going to tell you that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a big, uh, do it yourself gal. I have so many things I've been writing. Like I have a little book that I keep beside me for like when somebody says something great and I'm like, Ooh, I want to touch on that. I have like eight things that you just said that I think is really great. So the first thing I really loved is you said, you know, one thing I got from this doctor dot, 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 that's what I found in my own care is like, I've had a string of doctors and each one has given me like little breadcrumbs that I've had to follow myself because no, no one on this planet, doctor or not, is going to be like, here are all the answers for you. Let us, let, let us fix your body from beginning to end. And I think a lot of people assume that maybe, maybe we're told, I, I don't know where this belief comes from. Cause I believed it too, of like, I will go to a doctor, they will do all my blood labs. We will go through everything. We will troubleshoot everything. We will supplement for this. We will keep everything in tow and it will just be perfect. Oh God, that sounds good. Doesn't it? <laughs> but I think that there's something so powerful in educating yourself. And I think, would you agree that people just don't, don't take our bodies seriously and almost feel like it's somebody else's responsibility to take care of their body. Absolutely. And we're dismissive. Like our bodies yes. talk to us and they give us the signals. Like it's our body, your body's communicating with you. You just got to read the signs. And I, that doctor doesn't live in your body. He doesn't know your symptoms. And I agree there no one's going to invest in your health the way you do. So you expect to go to someone who's going to be like, let's spend hours upon hours and every waking hour trying to decipher every one of your quirks and no one's going to do that. You have to do it for yourself. And I love about the breadcrumbs. You're so right. Like every visit, you kind of have that little takeaway, but you have to piece them together yourself. You do. And I think that's one of the largest struggles I have. And maybe you feel the same way, you know, with your book and all the stuff you put out there that people just want the one, two, three step thing, the answers. And it's like, even if I coached you one-on-one, I could not provide that. Like I can work with you, but I'm not going to be able to give you the one, two, three step. Right. You ha- it's, and it goes back to taking responsibility. People have to take responsibility for their own health. I mean, I have the same, I agree. And it, I think I say it like verbatim in my book. Like this is, I don't have all the answers. This is not a manual. Like this might not sell books, but <laughs> like I, I can't tell you what to do, but I can show you how to figure it out. I can empower you. I can give you, I can teach you be like, Hey, this is how I troubleshoot it. Yes. Hey, this is the information you used to know. These are the elimination diets that work. This is a food to cook, but you're the one who's going to have to figure out whether you can eat tomatoes or not, or whether you can eat cheese or not. Like, I can't tell you, I can't do it for you. I know it's so challenging. So we launched Happy Keto Body, a 12-week ketogenic program for women. And it's all about education. And I felt really good about it. So many students have gone through it. And it's all about education. And I think you're so right. It's like, I can show you all of these pieces, like all of these little 12 blocks that I've had great success with, people have had great success with. But you're right. You have to walk through the door. And then you have to be like, okay, here's my toolkit with all the things. I'm going to try on these little bits. Oh, that didn't work. Throw that out. Oh, that might work, but not right now. And kind of piece it all together. Would you agree that that's kind of how I agree? I think where people get really stuck with that is in the fear is because 
we're very tribal and you can kind of see this, especially in the health and wellness. People love to be like, oh, I'm doing dairy-free keto or I'm doing the lazy keto or I'm doing paleo this or I'm doing whole 30. And we love to like find our people. And then we do the groups and the chats and we love to commiserate and empathize. And I get it, humans, that's so part of our nature. But when it comes to eating, I think that sometimes that can be harmful when you want to go online and say, me too, like we're all different. And if you go into a group and put out a vague question about like, these are my macros, I'm not losing weight. And you get 900 responses to everyone saying, this is what I do. This is what I do. Yeah, that's what they do. And that's what works for them. But it doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. And you have to be confident in yourself by empowering yourself through those tools to troubleshoot for yourself. But that can be scary because that means that you might end up on your little island of like, I eat in this one way that no one else does. Yeah. Yeah. But there's so, I I have found lately that there's so much more to life than how you eat and you can define yourself so much more than the eating style that you've chosen works best. I, can we like start a thing and be like drop the labels? Like I, I have a th- I hate love with them. Like hashtag keto, hashtag paleo, hashtag AIP, hashtag dairy free. But a part of me is like, oh my gosh, I, I get it. We do it so people can find us, right? And like it's a sorting tool. But at the same time, I'm like, can we just drop all food labels and just eat real food? And there's only one name for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just called food. It's just, yeah, it's just called food and it's my food and this is what I'm eating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so tell us more about your book because it launched in July. Yes, it comes out like Tuesday next week. Like, oh my gosh. And like, I can count them on my fingers. Um, It's in stores everywhere, even though I found it in a bookstore yesterday and I cried and I was with my dad and he bought a copy and it was a whole thing. Oh, that's so not allowed for them to put it out early. That's so great that happened. I know. Yeah, I guess it's I'm having my book launch there on Tuesday, like the party. And so I went to kind of like look at the space and it's a bookstore I grew up going to when I was a kid. So it's just kind of nice. Yeah. And um, they had it on the shelves. So it's a really amazing feeling, but it's called Made Whole. And the title itself, it means to heal, to restore. And that I think that there's a like, you know, this lifestyle made me whole and this food made me whole. And the title just kind of, I don't know, it was like, people are like, well, how did you come up with that? I'm like, it was the first thing I like came up with. Like I've, it was instant for me because like I said, it, food isn't everything, but it's a really good first step because it's something that's easy to control. And like in regards to like lifestyle changes can be harder making that time for yourself. But if you start with food as a form of self-care in that sense where you're, it doesn't mean that you have to ha- eat elitist stuff like, you know, reishi mushrooms and stuff. I get that. Like there's all this stuff out there that I'm like, all right, people, come on. Like I can't even afford that. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that I, it, but eating well doesn't have to be an elitist thing. I think if you're just spending the time in the kitchen to cook, even if you're cooking cabbage and $1.99 ground beef, like that's still a form of self-care because you're sitting there and it's ritualistic where you're preparing this meal to nourish your body. And doing that for me, just that first step was like walking through that door and everything that evolved afterwards has been amazing. I want everyone else to feel what I feel. I I just, I, I'm so happy now. I feel so good. I feel like life is just so full of potential and light and bright and I'm capable of anything I want to do. I never felt that way before. And I know now that everyone is capable. Anyone can do whatever they set their mind to. You just have to take that first step. And so made whole is while it's a cookbook, because I was a restaurant chef, I like to cook, I know how to cook well. I'm really passionate about teaching people to cook. I think that's a big thing where people say they can't cook. And that's like everyone's favorite excuse. This book will teach you to cook. If you don't know how it'll teach you like the recipes are written very detailed. Plus there's a whole like kitchen intuition, cooking tips and tricks section. It's a big book to empower you to 
do it yourself to figure out your body and to enjoy the process. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to, I was going to say, get my hands on it, but like I don't have space for books. So I always ask people, can you just send me the digital version so I can yeah. see it? <laughs> That's really good. Congratulations. Okay. So what do you think is missing in this keto space right now for women? It could even be your book, but. <laughs> well, I will say, honestly, I'm one thing I'm really proud about made whole is that it has 117 AIP compliant recipes or recipes with AIP modifications. And I think that the AIP is such an important tool for troubleshooting and women, especially that we are, we have more autoimmune diseases than men. Like we, Hashimoto's, we have rheumatoid arthritis, we have lupus. Like we're just, it's, it, it, I think maybe it's, I think a lot of it has to do because we're so much more emotional creatures and the way like it, those things manifest in our bodies, um, like trauma and stuff, which I think is a big cause of autoimmune disease. But I think that the autoimmune protocol, which is the gold standard for elimination diets, hasn't really been combined with keto in the past. Not really. And that's where I was. I came to the keto space kind of doing my AIP mashup and I saw that there was a lack of um, resources in that regard because I get it. it. If you put it all together, you're like, say what? Like, what am I going to eat? Yeah. <laughs> but the whole book is dairy, nut and nightshade free and has, like I said, and then there's like egg free recipes, coconut free recipes, seed free recipes. So there's a lot of modifications because I am the Goldilocks of elimination diets and of troubleshooting and substitutions and making things work for you. And I will MacGyver a recipe to make it work for anybody. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what my book, I really think that it's going to help a lot of people. I'm really excited to contribute this to this community that has done so much for me. Mm, Yes. I've been doing an AIP keto thing for quite some time. I always slip up with macadamia nuts because I just... They're just so darn good, Um, but, but there aren't any resources. So I'm, I'm so happy that people will have a place to go because it, it can be a challenge to wrap your head around for sure. For sure. And I think right now, like carnivore keto is kind of like sweeping the AIP, the, the keto community as like the the diet. But like, for me, I'm like, that's a really great way to do an elimination diet. If you're like not into vegetables, but people aren't doing the reintroductions properly. So they're doing carnivore and they're feeling great. And then they to get off carnivore and they feel like crap and they're like oh so carnivore is the way to go i'm like mm, you're probably just ingesting foods like with anti-nutrients that aren't making you feel so good like it could be coconut it could be nuts it could be nightshades but so they're instead of be, the say, things they go on carnivore and then they're just like okay well i'm going back to the way i ate before yeah right so for me like if you want to even do carnivore do it as an elimination diet and you know do the oh my gosh, would you come back on the podcast so we could talk about elimination diets and carnivore? <laughs> yes, it's like one of my favorites. Like, actually, it's a topic that I'm really into right now because I see the carnivore thing sweeping keto and I'm a little terrified of the ramifications for some people. Um, mostly in like, if you're going to do carnivore, like you need to eat organ meat and plenty of seafood, not like scrambled eggs and hot dogs. Oh, and don't forget the cheese. Right. Because that's carnivore too. Is it? No, I don't. I, I don't, don't think, think it so. is. But I feel like it shouldn't it. be. No, it I don't really think it should be. No, <laughs> I just don't yeah. get it. Dairy should not be in that. Like, yeah, let's not even go there. That's for another <laughs> day. Um, where can people find you, Christina? <laughs> so I am all over. I'm on social media, mostly Instagram and Facebook are my jam, and even on YouTube a little bit um, at at the Castaway Kitchen. And my blog is thecastawaykitchen.com, um, where I have tons of free recipes and resources. Yeah, so. 
you can find me online. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. And I'll include a link to all, I'll, I'll include all of your links rather in our podcast extras document, which everyone can find at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E106. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again next Sunday to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be confused as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcasts reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.